Tomorrow, December 3, is International Day of People with a Disability. And as we're heading closer to the Paris Paralympics, getting underway next August the 28th, it was a great delight this week to catch up with seven-time Paralympian for Australia in the sports of wheelchair tennis and now table tennis in Danny DeToro. I'm just thinking back to the last two games. She was team captain alongside Kurt Fernley at the Rio Paralympics in 2016 and then team captain alongside wheelchair rugby great Riley Bat at the Tokyo Paralympics, delayed by a year in 2021, both flag bearers at the opening ceremony. And for Danny, now an eighth Paralympic Games is in sight after her result at the Oceania Para Table Tennis Championships in the Solomon Islands last week. It was great to catch up with her for Grandstand. Awesome to be here, Karen. Thank you so much. And congratulations. Your ticket to Paris, not official yet, but things are looking very good. What is the feeling like? Oh, it's it's strange, isn't it? Like you think eight and you think, first of all, I'm old. That's a very um, big number <laughs> to deal with. Um, and I definitely, every time, you know, I just kind of come away feeling incredible gratitude and every game gets harder. Like it's... It's almost like your first games is super easy and you never really consider, um, I guess, the enormity of it until you're working really hard to make um, consecutive games. And, and that's when you kind of really feel how important it is and how much pressure I put on myself because it means so much. And the move to para table tennis, what's that transition been like? Uh, it's been brutal. It's actually really <laughs> hard. And um, it's definitely kind of – there are – easier sports I could have chosen um, to go from tennis to table tennis, like very technically um, the way that my body does things is completely the opposite. You think, Oh, it's a ball and you hit it with a bat and it goes like, you know, in these lines, but that's about as close as there are similarities. So the rest is very different. Um, it's a very complex sport in a very small space in a small period of time. So, um, yeah, it's taken a lot of adjustment for me mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, it's been brutal. It's been really brutal, but so rewarding. So rewarding and such a journey for you, Danny. You made your Paralympic debut at the Atlanta Games. So that was in 1996. This journey from then to now, 27 years, how best do you describe that? Goodness, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like um, sport's always been such an important part of my life and it's been a real consistent, constant, beautiful experience, like not just me as an athlete but also the people and the community um, it, for me, it's the place I, I've learned the most about myself. It's the arena that I most meet myself in and um, to be able to do it at a, a high level in in the way that I'm doing it with the support networks that I have around me, it's really quite amazing. And, yeah, it's just been a real um, – it's been an extraordinary life, to be really honest, incredible opportunities. Could you let our listeners know this huge journey for you and this weekend, International Day of People with a Disability on Sunday. For you, you were just 13 when an accident at a school swimming event resulted in your pathway to the Paralympics. Can can you tell our listeners more? Yeah, I mean, it's hilarious, actually, because I was a great athlete but a really terrible swimmer. So having my accident actually at a swimming carnival is just this weird, bizarre, hilarious thing. And um, I guess, you know, I, I kind of, once I ended up at the Austin Hospital here in Melbourne, 
um, it got around pretty quickly that I was an athlete and that, uh, you know, I was kind of into sport and I, I just had the incredible great fortune of having a man, Sandy Blythe, um, he co-captained the Australian Paralympic team in Sydney, actually, the whole team and also the, the team, the basketball team in Atlanta where they won gold. And he ended up um, being a really big, important part of my life in those early days. And so, you know, having a spinal cord injury, age 13, um, most of the things that you're hearing is what you can't do, what you'll never be able to do, what you have to relearn to do, um, not just for myself, but my family, um, my parents particularly, um, and my younger brother and, you know, having men like Sandy, having all these incredible great people around who kind of showed me what's possible as someone with a disability but also showed my, my parents and my family um, what's possible when you actually allow people to, you know, go out there and explore and not, you know, put too much cotton wool. And so, you know, I had a very um, blessed transition. It was difficult. There was some really hard times and it was definitely about, you know, understanding that there's no real place for anger or blame, like that wasn't really very useful. It was just about how can I learn, how can I grow, how can I adapt and how can I just make the most of a life that I've got. And, yeah, people like him and so many mentors since have always kind of led the way, shone the light and allowed me to just kind of explore what then that looks like for me. And I think of your role in the last two games as being uh, co-captains of the Australian team and the Tokyo Paralympics flag bearers at the opening ceremony and those games impacted with no spectators as well. It seems to me your role as much as being part of the team is to help others. How do you best describe the younger ones coming through? Just superstars. Like they're all so... Oh, whenever I think about uh, not just younger in age but younger in experience because, you know, the disability world isn't isn't about age. You know, people come into this world at very various points of their life, whether they're born with a disability or they acquire one. But certainly the people that come into this community, into our mob, into our family, um, I constantly just, like, love them and in awe of them. Like the things that they're bringing, the awareness, the the understanding of what it takes, how important it is to bring everyone along for the journey there's a real um I guess understanding that we're here because of everyone that's gone before us excuse me and I love that you know because I think it's really easy when you kind of start on this journey and you get a lot of opportunities that you don't really appreciate how those opportunities have come to be and this is a group that is working really hard, absolutely stands and sits and, and they are in their space in a really beautiful way, but it's with a real awareness of, of all those who've gone before and a real gratitude for all that's been done. I love this group so much. Danny DeToro, our guest on Grandstand this weekend. And Danny, just what you've been talking about there, I just think this whole journey for you, 27 years, as we've said, since your debut at the Atlanta Games, I remember in covering those games for ABC TV, how they were totally separated from the Olympics, um, including for us in the media, the technical equipment at the main stadium was ripped out only to be reinstalled by others in smaller numbers for the Paralympics media. It was so different to what followed in Sydney and is the case now, the Olympics and the Paralympics side by side. They were such a turning point for you. Your first medal as well, silver, it was in the wheelchair tennis doubles. That whole journey, Sydney and onwards, and and what is now heading into Paris? How best do you describe that? 
Yeah, you've you've highlighted the extreme, haven't you? Yeah. It's like, you know, Atlanta was exactly that. It was the when we think about disability and afterthought, like the Atlanta Paralympic Games was a perfect example of that. Um, and I think we've come a long way since then. And I think um, certainly here in Australia and, and I think internationally as well, people are starting to appreciate that this Paralympic team are full of athletes who are elite at what they do. Um, they're incredible humans with really wonderful stories to share as well. But first and foremost, they're um, incredibly dedicated and very professional athletes. Um, and that's really lovely to see. And I think that's what we're kind of really starting to experience is the opportunity. Once once people see athletes with a disability doing their thing and when they learn about them and understand what their journeys look like, um, it gives people an opportunity to tap into that. Like we see great athletes, but we also understand what it takes to kind of do that. And I think there's always lessons and learning for everyone. Um, but I think when you, what we've shown is that if you give people an opportunity to watch it, they'll come back. And I appreciate in Tokyo, like pretty much all of Australia had no choice. <laughs> we were all in lockdown and there was almost nothing else to do, but um, people have choice even then. And people kept coming back to watch our athletes um, perform on, on the biggest stage of their lives. Um, and I think we're starting to see that more and more is that appreciation for it and also the accessibility of, of, of these people and how they've come to be where they are today. Danny Totoro, it's fantastic to chat with you this weekend leading up to Christmas and into a new year. What's it looking like for you? Oh, it's been such a big year. Um, I've been on the road a lot, working really hard to try and, um, you know, secure this kind of slot for Paris and Oh, got a break coming up, to be honest. Got a little bit of time by the beach, hanging out with some friends because um, once January starts, th that year, next year, is going to be pretty massive. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, there's a lot that's going to be on the cards and, yeah, I just, I, I just couldn't be more excited about what's to come. All the very, very best. Danny Totoro, thanks so much for your time on Grandstand this thanks, weekend. Ken. Thank you so much. Awesome to chat.